Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of We, Us, and Ours. We are so happy to have you here and today is a very fun topic that we are going to be talking about. We are going to be talking about things that mean different things in different cultures. As a lot of you know, I have a big traveling rap sheet. I have been to all 50 U.S. states before turning 18 and I have been to 43 countries to date. And I have honestly no plan of slowing down anytime soon. But across my travels, I have learned, in many ways I've learned the hard way, that sometimes things mean different things in other, in other cultures. And not only do sometimes things mean different things in other cultures, but sometimes they just straight up don't translate well. And I have put myself in some situations where... Yeah, I have looked like an idiot and vice versa because I just did not know that something meant something totally different in another culture or realizing that some things from English just straight don't translate. We're going to start off the story in the Philippines. I have spent a lot of time in the Philippines and I have been there multiple times now it's probably one of the first places that I'm going back once we are able to travel internationally again. But the Philippines just hold such a special place in my heart. And the first time that I visited the Philippines was the summer of 2017. So I go. I have visited the Philippines so much because I volunteer at an orphanage out there. So my first time going, I was supposed to go with a friend, but she ended up getting injured and she was not able to go, but I had already fundraised for myself and I still felt like God was calling me to go and serve. So I'm like, you know what? We're, we're going, I'm going by myself. I'll figure it out. So I was 20 years old at the time and I flew from Chicago to Tokyo and then Tokyo to Manila. While I was down at the orphanage, I was not obviously the only volunteer. So a lot of the volunteers typically come from Australia or New Zealand because technically the orphanage was founded by a Kiwi, a New Zealand-based nonprofit, and honestly, logistically, it's just a lot closer for Kiwis and Aussies to be able to get to the Philippines than necessarily Americans. So a lot of the other volunteers were Australian or New Zealand or Kiwis. And I had a roommate while I was volunteering there and her name was Joe. She was from Australia and I absolutely adored Joe, but there were some things that we would talk about that I figured out I had no idea what she was saying. She was the school teacher for the kids that studied at the orphanage. One day, she came back to the room and I was just checking in. I was like, Joe, how was your how was your day today? How were the kids? And she said, oh, well, they were fine until, you know, like we, I was working with Adrian and then all of a sudden he just lost the plot and she kept going and I, I looked at her and I'm, I'm thinking, he, he lost the plot? What, was he reading a book? <laughs> and she bursted out laughing at me. She's like, no, lo losing the plot, that's, it's kind of like throwing a tantrum. I'm thinking, What? What do you mean? What? That doesn't make any sense. And she's like, yeah, think about it. You know, like the the plot is the main part of the story. And if you don't have the plot, everything just kind of goes goes to crazy. 
thinking, okay, all right, I guess I, I guess I can see that. So the next day, I'm hanging out with a couple of the kids, and one of them asked if I would read them a story. And I said, sure, go, go pick out a book. And so one of the girls comes over, and she said, Ate Charlotte, because Ate is kind of like saying miss in the Philippines, and for men, it's kuya. So that's a little fun fact for you today. But she said, Ate Charlotte, can we read this book? And she brings me over a book, and the title is... There once was an old lady who swallowed a thong. And I double take and I'm like, excuse me, why is this book in the school of the orphanage? And I flipped through and that's when I figured out that the book had been donated from Australia where thongs mean flip flops. So (laughs) it was it was to my surprise because I for a good for a good minute or two was completely convinced that there was a children's book about an old woman a senile grandma essentially swallowing a pair of underwear which i was very relieved to find out that it was a shoe even though that it still didn't it was still pretty goofy um the cover or one of the photos right on the inside was just this like shriveled up grandmother sitting in a beach chair eating a sandwich with a flip-flop falling out and (laughs) it was a weird book but I will never make that mistake again that thongs though in America mean thin ladies underwear in Australia they mean flip-flops but I think the biggest mix-up between Joe and I that I had this this one takes the cake so joe was leaving to go back to australia and she had left she had to leave because getting back to the manila airport from the orphanage it's it's a hike it is on a completely different island so you have to drive to the ferry and then you have to take a long ferry to another island and then you have to drive another hour or two and if you're driving direct there's always traffic or if you're taking public transportation it stops a lot so it's literally a full day adventure to get to the airport to then get there early for your flight so joe left while i was still sleeping and i woke up and it was it was weird our apartment our apartment was quiet and pretty pretty empty it felt like without her and so angela who is from new zealand had texted me and said hey joe had borrowed our plunger a little while ago do you mind if i swing by your place and pick it up and I, rep- I texted back right away, and I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, like, I'm here. And my mind went to, when, when did Joe break our toilet? Like, I haven't, I haven't seen a, I haven't seen a plunger around. When did she, when did she take, take our plunger? So I'm thinking, okay, well, like, I gotta go find it for Angela. So I go to the bathroom. I don't know what I was thinking. The bathroom was literally three feet by five feet. So I'm thinking, there's no way that I haven't seen that there's been a plunger in here. And when I say that is the bathroom, I mean, that's the shower, sink, and toilet, all of it. I could fit my arms, my arm length across both sides. So I'm thinking, there's no way that I have missed this. And the kitchen's not too, like, that big. So I'm going through and I'm looking at all the cabinets, checking under the sink, honestly kind of tearing the apartment apart being like where on earth is this plunger 
And so Angela comes over probably 15 minutes later. She knocks on the door and I just call her in and she walks into the kitchen and I'm still kind of frantically like tearing things apart, trying to find this plunger. And she looks at me and she's like, Charlotte, what are you doing? And I said, I, I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't know where the plunger is. I can't find it. Like, also, I just, I don't know. I, I never saw Joe use it. And Angela looks at me kind of confused and she goes, it's, it's right there. And I turn around and I, I look at her and she's pointing to the kitchen counter. I said, what, what? She goes, the, the plunger. It's, it's right there. It's on the counter. And I look and I pick it up and I said, this is a coffee maker. And she goes, oh, so, what we in America would call a French coffee press. They call a plunger because you take the top and you plunge it down over the coffee ground so that the coffee comes up. And I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? I have been scouring this apartment for 20 minutes, searching for something to unclog a toilet. And you were looking for a coffee maker? And we had a very good laugh over that. Because I would have never, never thought to call that a plunger. I genuinely was searching for something to unclog a toilet. And what was funny was that once I left the Philippines that trip, I didn't go straight back to the U.S. I went to Taiwan for a few days and I was staying in a hostel and we were all sitting around in the lobby, just a couple of people, a couple backpackers, just sharing stories and chatting. And there were a couple people from England, from the U.S., from Australia, and one or two from China. And I had started telling this story of the plunger to these people and it was so funny watching half of their faces of the Australian and I think there was a Kiwi in the mix that were thinking plunger so the coffee maker and everyone else thinking plunger as in toilet and then when I hit the plot I didn't lose the plot thankfully it just clicked with everyone and they're like oh my gosh I'm wondering why this story doesn't make sense but uh, it's it's wild. And so now I'm, I'm not a huge coffee drinker, but I think I want to buy a French coffee press or a plunger just just for the memory of that. You know, <laughs> it's it's a good one. And it's not just Australia and New Zealand. That was just some of the first times that I'd really experienced that, which also were so drastically different that it was hilarious. But one of my best friends is from Scotland and we both lived in Paris at the same time. And so that's how we, we got to know each other was when we both lived over in Paris. And so Kirsten and I would hang out all the time when we were in Paris and go to all these different places. And I figured out that there was a lot of things that she and I said differently. Obviously, English was both our first language, but there were just some things that not even her Scottish accent, just the full vocab words in general that I'm thinking, what what are you talking about? Uh, that's how I figured out that pretty much the U.S. is the only place that calls it an eggplant. Everything else calls it an aubergine. Had no idea. No idea. Also learned that cilantro in American English is actually coriander in Scottish British English. So there were just some basic things that we figured out that were that were different. But 
this was one that I could not let go that that she called something totally different than what I called it. So one day, Kirsten and I were on our way to a house party of some of our Greek friends. And I was in charge of directions. So we get off the metro. And I'm trying to see where we need to go. And I said, okay, we'll go make a left at the crosswalk. And Kirsten stops and looks at me and goes, you mean the zebra crossing? The, the what? She goes, yeah, the zebra crossing. I'm, I, I, are you talking, are you calling it a zebra crossing because the stripes on the ground? And she's like, yes, that's what they're called. I'm like, no, it's a, it's a crosswalk because you walk across it. She's like, no, no, no. It's a zebra crossing. And I've been, I've never been able to look at them the same way again. And not only that, but she, she went on to tell me that not even all of them are zebra crossings, but some of them are called pelican crossings. I'm like, why? This doesn't make any sense. And not to mention that UK English spells a lot of things differently and pronounces letters. The fact of both of us were trying to spell the word pajamas one day and she pronounces it pajamas and spelled it P-Y-J. And I'm thinking, okay, we are not, we are not speaking the same language here, girl. But the zebra crossing. Mm, I don't know if I can get behind that one. I will forever call it, forever call it a crosswalk. And it's not just languages that are different between different cultures and different countries but there's a lot of things that seem different i know that this may sound crazy but i feel prettier in europe i don't know what it is i feel prettier in europe i don't know if it's in the water the food just my confidence level i feel prettier when i am in europe and I have, I have kind of felt this different vibe in myself over all the continents that I've been to. Because I would say in America, I've, I feel like I'm a seven or an eight, yeah, like seven and a half, something like there. You know, like I'm, I'm average. When I'm in Europe, I feel like a nine or a ten. I don't know what it is. I just, I, I'm feeling myself, you know, like I just feel prettier in Europe. But then we hop over to Asia, where my curly hair can't deal with the humidity. It's hot a lot. And most of the places I've been in Asia have been either in the summer or in the Philippines when it's always hot. So I can't wear makeup because the makeup just sweats off. So here I am with no makeup, curly frizzy hair that Honestly, I can't even leave down because I'm so overheated. So my hair was pulled back or put in braids. It's frizzy. I have no makeup on. Honestly, most of the time that I'm in Asia, I'm in leggings and like t-shirts. I'm not not dressed cute. I feel like a freaking five, maybe a six when I'm in Asia most of the time. But I walk around and I am, I feel like the people look at me like I'm a nine or a 10. The amount of catcalling for better or for worse or for stares that I get or men that have tried to approach me and ask for my number, ask me out. 
I would walk around feeling like I'm a 9 out of 10, yet I personally feel like I'm looking like a 5 or a 6. Could not understand it. Could not understand it. Even in the Philippines ones, my friend Miller and I went out to a bar, and this table of men were sitting a little bit, uh, like just one or so tables away from us, pretty close by. And a guy came over, and he started talking to me, This man was probably in his mid-40s. I was 20. And so I'm like, no, no thank you. So he's trying to flirt with me, and I just pulled kind of girl code. I was like, oh, I'm here with my boyfriend, and Miller almost choked. He was like, what? But as the good guy friend that he is, he's like, yes, yes, I, I will play along. I am your boyfriend. So... This guy tries to talk to me, and he's like, why don't you come over, come over and sit with us? And I said, um, I'm okay, we're just having, we're having fun here. He goes, well, I'm not coming over to you for me, I'm coming over to you for my friend. And he points to the man sitting at the head of the table. This man was probably ten years older than my father, and the way that he was sitting at the table gave off some real godfather vibes. And I was like, hmm. Thank you, but no, we will be staying away. And it's funny because they ended up sending drinks over to us later. And typically, I would never accept a drink from a stranger, but it was bottled and the waiter brought it over and like unbottled, like uncapped it right in front of us. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to die. It's fine. And weird small world story, the dude that had originally come over to talk to me who was over double my age local filipino but apparently he had lived in the u.s for a little bit and he had lived in virginia in the same town that i had lived in when i was in eighth grade for a little bit so super weird super small world but can dive into that on another day but regardless stories like that it happens it happens a lot in in the philippines i have been approached by many people in Europe I have been approached by many people I don't get it as much in the U.S. sometimes but the the whole point of that is to say that beauty is really subjective you know if you if you really think about it beauty standards are different in so many different countries it's not one universal beauty standard as sometimes we like to think because that's all that's around us you know when everything you see around you makes it seem like beauty looks one way and if you don't look like that it can be really it can be really discouraging but if you broaden your spectrum and look at other places you see okay well the beauty standards in this country looks nothing like the beauty standards in this and a lot of times it's the mindset of oh the grass is greener On the other side, it's something that looks different. Because in the Philippines, most of the people are, it's a a shorter culture, it's a thinner culture, where I'm I'm average height for a woman in the U.S. I'm five foot six. But I'm, 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 I'm thick, to say, to say it nicely. Thick with two C's, maybe three on a good day. Um, voluptuous, oh, that's another word that I learned from the Philippines, uh, is that sexy means curvy. 
So when one of the kids at the orphanage was like, Ette Charlotte, you're so sexy. And I looked and said, excuse me? Uh, figured out that sexy means curvy. Um, and then it doesn't have the same connotation that it does in the U.S. So that that was another hard, hard lesson to learn that, oh, these these means different things. All right. Got it. Noted. Uh, putting that in my back pocket. But the the size of beauty standards are different and the skin tones are different. Like in the U.S., so many people like myself are very, very pale. So naturally, companies and beauty standards make it look like tanning when you have beautiful golden skin that is the standard of beauty whereas you go to a lot of places in asia and you can find literally whitening products in face washes in makeup because it's different than what is the norm over there so if you're feeling down about your appearance if you don't feel like you uphold what society says is beautiful, I'm going to fight you on that. Because, well, one, God created all of us individually. We are made in his image. We are beautiful because of that. But also, whatever country you're in, what beauty standards they set, that doesn't, that doesn't hold any weight. Because go look at another country. You might be the next miss america the next supermodel in that in that culture because beauty standards are all so subjective and it's just funny to me looking at how sizes differ from different countries like you have petite cultures you have bigger cultures you have more conservative cultures you have more flashy cultures everyone's different and it's so it's incredible i love the variety and that's why i love shopping in other countries i love it besides the fact that i just enjoy shopping that is that's my own my own thing but shopping in other countries is so cool because you get a fully different market when you travel i encourage you don't pack your bags to the brim it's something I struggle with. I am an overpacker. I will I will admit it. I will bring way too many outfit choices because, again, if I'm feeling prettier in another country, I'm going to be like, yes, I want to show this outfit off. Yes. But try to leave some space and leave a little bit of money in your budget. Go shopping. Go to a local place. Go to a little boutique. Go somewhere that you cannot find in your home country. Because you are going to find things that are unique and you might find things that fit you, your style, your body type, your vibe better than you can find something in your own country. And it's a great way to support local businesses, but it's a great way to just live life like the locals more. I went to this cute little shop in New Zealand and I got this comfy shirt that says Daydreamer. And I'm not someone that's in love with the idea of graphic tees and all that, but it's very cute and it's very soft. I love it. And I've never seen something like it in the U.S., the design of it and everything, because it's from Auckland, New Zealand. And you don't get a whole lot of people around where I live shopping from Auckland, New Zealand. And one of my favorite dresses of all time that I have, I got 
from a store called Robinson's in the Philippines for $20. So where I was, it was a little bit expensive of a dress in the Philippines and in the mall that I was in. But that dress I have worn to very fancy events. I wore that red dress to a yacht club in Greenwich, Connecticut, where literally the, I believe she was the senator's wife, some government official's wife was there. And when I tell you that this woman's wardrobe cost more than probably my entire existence, I'm not exaggerating. But I had so many compliments on my bright red dress, and I was like, thank you. Got it in the Philippines for $20. I wore that dress in professional headshots. I have worn that dress during my graduation of college week. You never know what you're going to find in other cultures that fit you, that fit your energy, that fit your vibe, that the current culture you live in might not say is quote-unquote beautiful or is not in. But I say screw it, you know? That is, I think, the biggest thing that we can come to learn from other countries and other cultures. And you also might be thinking, Charlotte, well, kind of, who are you to make these assumptions, blah, blah, blah. I will back it up and say that I have a degree in international business. So I have seen and studied international marketing, how different countries market different things. And it's, it's all subjective. It is truly all subjective. So I'm not saying that if you're feeling down on yourself, go book yourself an international flight to another country, but I'm not saying not to, you know? Go try something new. Go check out a culture that is completely different than your own. Go buy some local clothes, try some local foods, and you never know what you are going to step into. And you might find that there's some language barriers along the way, but honestly, it makes it makes for the best stories. And the last story that I'll leave you with was that back in, what year was it? 2015, I went to China. And I don't know if that was because it was one of my first times internationally as an adult, because the Chinese culture is so different than the U.S., or a mix of who I was there with. There was a lot of factors, but I had some big culture shock when I was in China. And also I was, I was 18. I was pretty young. I hadn't been out of the country that much. But when I went to China at 18, it was a big, it was a big culture shock. And I, like many Americans, did not know how to use chopsticks because I never really had a need. There was always a fork around, you know? Well, we went to a place in Shanghai and I, so for those of you who don't know, I speak Mandarin, not fluently, but like enough I can get around. And I was there on a language immersion program. And so we were there and we were talking and we had asked at one of the restaurants, do you have a fork? And I don't know if it was my terrible pronunciation or what, but the workers did not know the word fork. They didn't know it. So it was either I was going to learn to eat with chopsticks or I wasn't going to eat. And I said, okay, nothing like the threat of being hungry to teach you a new new skill. So I learned how to use kwaizu. 
and haven't looked back. So, you know, pushing yourself to different cultures, trying new foods, go visiting new shops, and just give yourself this as a little pep talk. Next time you're not feeling too hot in the mirror, you're comparing yourself to people you see online, remind yourself that it's all subjective. All different cultures, all different countries, everyone's dream looks different. Everyone's perfect body, perfect wardrobe, perfect appearance, it's, it's all different. So what you might be hating, someone else would be loving to have. So just love yourself. Know that you are living your best life. You are exactly where you need to be. You are the image that God created you to be for a reason. So smile. You are beautiful. You are loved. And thank you guys so much. We will see you again soon. And if you liked this episode, please follow, subscribe, share, leave a review, shout it from the rooftops, all of it. We'd love to hear it. We love the support. We now have listeners that have downloaded from all six inhabited continents. So that is amazing. That is no small feat. We are so excited for for all that is to come through this so please continue to share it make sure you're subscribed follow us on instagram and if you have learned through any of your travels or through any of your friends that there are different meanings in different cultures let us know reach out to us on social media share it when you post it would absolutely love to hear so with that I say goodbye, and I hope you have a lovely week. Thanks, everyone.